question. We are in our real series today, and we are talking about real people, real lives, but more importantly, a real God. And we're going to talk to a individual today. They're going to share with you their story a little bit, but they're going to share with you sort of why God is real to them within the context of their story. But before we get into that today, let me ask you a question. And before you answer this question, I want you to think about it because your initial answer to me is going to be sort of rhetoric. It's going to be a reaction. You're going to give me an answer before you stop long enough to really think about it. So I want to ask you to pause for a moment before you answer my question because your answer may seem natural, but if I was able to examine your life today, would that answer play out through all of your life? And here's the question. Do you really need God? I want you to just pause for a moment and listen and think about that for a second. Do you really need God? Now, I know, I get it. The first reaction we all have is, of course I need God. I've got to need God. Okay. Let me ask you this. If I followed you around, if I shadowed you from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed, if I shadowed you in the middle of the night when you woke up and you tossed and you turned, if I, if I walk with you throughout your week, not now on Sunday, right? Because we all, Sundays, that we, we get it. Sunday's the Sunday. But if I walked with you the rest of the week, would I see the evidence in your life of your need for God? Would I see it? Well, you say, well, my need for God is not really something that's expressed outwardly. It's more something I express internally. Well, the problem with that is the Bible is very clear that this says faith without works is dead. So we can't just fall on the sword and say, well, it's just because it's all internal. No, what's on the inside is eventually going to manifest itself on the outside. The Bible says, I believe, therefore, I have spoken out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. As a man thinketh, so shall he be. Meaning, there is an inward start and an outward expression. It's been consistent throughout Scripture. So you can't say it's just an inward thing. I don't really express it on the outside. Because you can't say that because that's not the case. You may say some things on the outside that is not the case on the inside. But the inside always wins out. So can I ask you again? Do you need God? And if you need God, what evidence do you have in your life to show your need for God? Let me ask you this. This right here, if you can see this, there you go. Kind of has a bad reflection, but you can see this is my cell phone. If you ask me this question today, do you need your phone? I would say to you, yes, I need my phone. I use my phone for communication. I use my phone for uh business. I use my phone to connect with my family. I use my phone to keep track of my life. I use my phone for entertainment. I use my phone for news. I use my phone for a lot of things. In fact, this phone is with me all the time. This phone is sort of, uh, I mean, I don't even want to go into my screen time. Um, I'm trying to do better, but every once in a while, I'll look at my screen time and go, how in the world did I spend that much time on my phone? This thing, if you ask me, do I need this? Yes, I do. 
But here's the problem with this premise. Do I need it? Yes. But there was a time in my life I didn't have a cell phone and I was okay. There have been opportunities and times where I had to go places where I couldn't have a phone and I survived. There's some of you that work in jobs where you're not allowed to have your phone with you in your job. And somehow, magically, you survive those times. All of us that are probably 35 and older can remember our life before cell phones. You can remember the first time you got a cell phone. I remember my, my dad, when the first one of the first being a pastor... He got a cell phone in the beginning because he was going to use it for an emergency. And it was like, you know, $17 a second to talk on it. But he had one of the big giant brick phones, right? We all remember the days before cell phones. So when I say I need this phone, I need it. Yes, I do need it. There is a legitimate reason why I have this phone. But here's the point. Do I need a phone? Yes. But let me ask you a question. Do you need air today? Your answer would be, yeah, of course. What's the difference between a cell phone and air? You need both. The difference is, one, you can kind of live without. One, it's not just a need, it's a necessity. If you don't have it, you absolutely cannot make it. I say that because when I ask a lot of you, do you need God? You answer me based off of sort of God as the cell phone. He is an accessory. He's an add-on. He is something you have in your life. You have him around. He's with you all the time. You spend time sort of with him. But if he's not with you, you're still okay. I know some of you, when you don't have your phone, you get twitchy and you start to break out in a cold sweat. But let's, let's be honest. No one's died because they lost their cell phone. God's more like a cell phone to most of us. It's something we need, and every once in a while we like to upgrade and get a better version, but overall, we don't really, it's not, it's not a life or death thing. We need it, but it makes our life better. It provides things in our life. It's, it helps things with things in our life, but we can operate without it if necessary. Air, there's no alternative for air. There's no, well, if I have air, uh, if I don't have air today, I'll be okay. I'll just get air tomorrow. If I don't have air today, I'll just find something else. No, if I don't have air, I die. So when I say, do you need God? A lot of you say, of course I need God, but it's a cell phone kind of need. But God is not just a cell phone. He's the air that I breathe. Literally, God just doesn't want to be an accessory to your life. He wants to be the essence of who you are. That if you don't have him, it's not that you can survive. It's if you don't have him, you come to a screeching halt. Your life cannot function without him. And you acknowledge that literally without him, you can do nothing. Meaning you can't even move up. You can't even get out of bed in the morning without acknowledging, God, I need you. You can't do one thing. You realize you are come to the end of yourself. There's nothing you can ever do without him. That's what I'm talking about. Do you need God? A lot of us live in the cell phone, God, but God wants to make his, him more of the air that I breathe.
How does he do that? Well, he does that by bringing things into our life. We're going to see this in just a moment. He brings things into our life that causes us to realize, you know what? I don't have an answer. I've come to the end. God, if it's not you, then it's not. There, there's, there's no other answer. There's no other answer. We're going to talk about that today. Real people, real lives, and a real God. And when you're listening to this today, I want you to think, do I need God? And if I don't really need him, if he's a cell phone and he's wanting to become the air that I breathe, what happens in my life to take me on that transition? It may not be the same as the story we're going to hear today, but God will use whatever is necessary to bring you to that place where you need him more than anything. We're going to see that today. He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can say Let me tell you about my Jesus Welcome, I'm with today Andrew Nielsen Most of you would know who he is He is a part of Antioch West here But he has had quite a journey over the last couple of years With some medical things And so we're doing our real series, which is real people and real lives, but a real God. And so today we have Andrew with us this morning. Andrew, thanks for participating and being a part of this today. Glad I you could be a part. <laughs> All right, glad you could do it. So for those, there's a lot of people that are watching today that know a little bit about your medical journey, but for the rest that are watching or will watch this in the future, and I know I'm asking you to uh, sort of uh, kind of eat an elephant one bite at a time here, but could you kind of give us a, a brief summary sort of the last couple of years of your um, medical journey? So we're doing like a bishop session where we go for like four hours, you know, no, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, August 20, August 2014, um, I was diagnosed with tonal renal failure um, at the age of 19. Um, which was something that was completely unheard of. Nobody, they really couldn't figure out what had caused it. Um, and it was, it was just total bad, totally, totally baffling for everyone. Um, and it, essentially I, I had a uh, genetic, have a genetic condition that at the age of 18, my kidneys just started dying. No reason, no whatever, just, and only my kidneys. They just, at the age of 18, they start dying. Um, and so, and the months leading up to that, that uh, August, um, things kept on happening. And I actually ultimately ended up banking at an amusement park in line. And they were like, oh, he's just dehydrated. He just needs some water. Um, and the next day I go into the, go into the ER and they look at me and they're like, yeah, you're, you should be dead. And that day I had three separate doctors ask me either how I was alive or tell me that I was supposed to be dead. Wow. So that was fun. That was a lot. That was a really fun day. And uh, after all those doctors asked that or said that, my question still at the end was, hey, so I've got school starting on Monday. Am I going to be able to make class? <laughs> Typical 19-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> um, this death thing over with. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that was kind of the kickoff. Uh, and I mean, that was, that was literally... Uh, I can't even do the math in my head. Seven years ago, sorry, eight years ago. Um, so from there, I immediately started dialysis. And 
for those of you that don't know what dialysis is, is essentially a process to get your blood cleaned. Um, and it's actually kind of a two-part process where they remove fluid off of your body and they, they clean your blood. And the way it was told to me is dialysis on the body is comparable to a uh, tornado going through a trailer park. And I had that done to me three times a week uh, for three hours each session um, for if the first time it happened was uh, I was on dialysis for eight months. And then I finally actually got a kidney transplant. Um, my mom turned out to be, be the best donor that I had available. So, and it was actually legitimately a miracle that I was able to get a kidney in eight months. They wow. typically, the process to, for the testing and for the uh, finding somebody and everything else takes about a year to a year and a half, typically. So all the doctors were like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, eight months, that's crazy. So I ended up getting my kidney and uh, things kind of go off without a hitch. Um, I spent some time recovering and then finally I'm able to kind of quote unquote, get back in a normal life without having to do dialysis. Um, and then about another eight months in, turns out the kidney has rejected. So uh, a part of having a kidney transplant or any transplant at all actually is you need to take a lot of medications um and so uh the and those medications stop your body from attacking and killing the kidney but sometimes the body is very resilient and very dedicated at its job at killing said kidney and so that's essentially what had happened my body totally eliminated that kidney um wow and so I was, I had to go back onto dialysis and I had to get another transplant, but this time it was a little bit different because I didn't have another donor that was lined up the first time that we had gone, done, done all this testing. Uh, the first time everybody we tested, everybody else had been rejected. My mom was the only one that gotten approved. And so now I had to wait for a deceased donor. And typically those times are three to five years. And so now God has taken me and put me back onto this machine um, that just torments me for three and a half hours. Um, and I feel like death afterwards. And then with no, like, just a dot, 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 essentially ellipses uh, that there's no real end to this until, until somebody comes along. Um, and about three and a half years later, uh, I finally got a call. I was driving home from work one night, actually, uh, around eight o'clock at night. Hey, we've got a kidney for you. Can you get to the hospital in five hours? Um, and we'll get you a transplant tomorrow morning. I was like, yep, I will be there. Um, and what's, what's really awesome is, so that was, that was three and a half years of dialysis that was really rough and really gruesome. And I mean, it was a long journey, but this donated kidney from a deceased donor he had died of a heart attack. Um, it turned out that this kidney was as perfect of a match as any of the doctors had ever seen. Wow. Like literally, they they were they they're not allowed to use the the God word whenever they talk or the miracle word, but they used every other phrase that they possibly could to indicate that that this is never they've never seen anything like this before. Um, and so obviously it was really awesome. And, and the kidney's been operating, working fine. My body's been doing fine. Um, but 
that was that was almost two years ago that I got, actually got that kidney transplant. I just celebrated this past August uh, with with two years, which is pretty exciting. I remember you come when uh, you were in my small group uh, during that period of time, and you would go after Sunday morning. You would go to the to the gym in the sauna and yep. sit in the sauna, what fully clothed with a sweatshirt on, right? I I, I had one of those sweatsuits. The uh, full, yeah, sit in the sauna. Um, so I would do about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, and then actually like go try to work out. Um, obviously you could tell that that worked really well. No. Um, and then, uh, I would jump back in for another 30 minutes, 45 minutes, uh, as long as I could take it. In a sweatsuit for the purpose of trying to get your body to lose the fluid because you were going through dialysis. And yeah. So, I mean, Mondays were typically my worst dialysis day because I would, I would do dialysis Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then I would have to go Saturday and Sunday without dialysis. So my body was in the, in the worst condition it was in on Mondays. And I'm sure you saw me plenty of Sundays where I was pretty rough, <laughs> rough for wear. For you, in your credit, you now, uh, I don't ever remember you missing. If you missed, it was only a few times because I don't remember you missing. You, were, you came in rough shape, but you came. And so that was amazing nope. to watch. Let's go back to a couple of things here. Um, again, we're talking about sort of the real life, real people. Obviously, your medical journey is quite extensive. That was a very small uh, snippet of such a huge and monumental journey and the hours upon hours of sitting in a dialysis chair. Um, but obviously, we're talking about the connection here to sort of not just having a real life and being a real person, but also the reality of this journey being with God. So let's go back for a moment if we can. And I talked about this last week for those of you that uh, were not able to watch last week. We had uh, James and Christy Keller on. They have just gone through some things with their daughter and they made this statement. So I'm not trying to fish for the same answer, but just curious, leading up to this in August of 2014, I think you said, any indication that your life is about to completely change? No. <laughs> you're, you're, you're 19 years old, you're, you're resumed healthy, you're going to school, you're at the music park, and then boom, suddenly life changed, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I had as normal of a life as you could possibly think, like, I didn't really have any hardships, my, uh, I didn't really have a lot of trials, like, you grew up in church, so I mean, yeah, it was, I was a basic kid, I, I, I hadn't really gone through anything, and so my life was pretty chill for, for anybody, really, <laughs> and you had sort of already began to if I'm correct in saying this, you'd already started sort of planning out some future benchmarks, mm -hmm. assuming life was going to continue, correct? Yep. Yep. I, I mean, so I was actually starting my first week of uh, my uh, sophomore year of college um, that semester, and I was going to be graduating right after that and then going off to uh, my next college. And so I just graduated 2020 college uh four years later than what i was supposed to graduate originally so yeah well, this really drives to something that you you're obviously talking about and we can relate to and last week as well and that is this idea that we have that trouble is going to announce itself difficulty life changes is going to announce itself so when it announces then i'll get prepared then i'll start figuring things out but it really doesn't work like that in reality and the reality is we don't know when all of us, I mean, you can go back and probably relive that day uh, pretty close to the day you fainted in the hospital and you, you know, how are you still alive? Oh, by the way, can I go to school? 
Um, and I think the big thing here is understanding for those of you that are watching, and here's sort of the second time, and I'm sure everybody could relate to this to a degree in their own way, telling a story, is that this idea that we just assume that life is going to continue as it is without interruption, and somehow God is the one promoting that. And so that really drives me to the second point here, Andrew, is, so, okay, now you're, you're faced with this sort of task of, okay, this is bad. I've got to get a donor. I go on dialysis uh, uh, for the next eight months. Uh, and we'll get to the second part of this in a minute, but what was your perspective on God up to that point in 2014? And what was your perspective on God during that first dialysis kidney transplant? Because, I mean, there was some difficulty there, but it seemed to be sort of a miraculous thing. You found a donor. What was that first initial phase like? So where were you at with God and how you saw God? And then how did that first journey, uh, the first, you said eight and eight months, so that'd be a, a year and a half. What was that journey like in how you saw God? So... I'll put it this way. You said real people, real, real lives, real God. I had essentially started finally making the connection between being a real person and having a real life and connecting that with my real God. Before that, I don't think I ever really did that at all. So you know? God, you could, if, if I, if I could rest and say, you're saying God was there, you believed he was there, but there was no real tangible connection, maybe yeah. outside of a, a religious setting or anything that had to do with a religious you're, I mean, you're my, my personal prayer life my my yeah just my personal prayer life talking to god all that kind of stuff outside of church it didn't really happen it, it was pretty non-existent and so sitting in a hospital bed <laughs> with after several people have told you you're supposed to be dead will kind of wake you up for a second and say hey maybe i should talk to him a little bit more but I've been there before, and I've said I've I've stood in hospital rooms with people who've been diagnosed, and they all, you know, the two best places to find God are hospitals and prison, right? You find there's you've, it's hard to find an atheist in hospitals or prisons. It seems like you know I've had opportunity to minister in both settings, prisons, hospital. I mean, you won't find any more dedicated, hungry people than in a prison. And so you got that right. I I, I can get that, but so many times. That's not sustainable, right? Because then the trouble lifts and it goes right back into sort of default pre-setting. Okay, I got through that hump. So let's just take that for a moment. You got through the eight months of dialysis. Boom, your mom is sort of this perceived match. You get the kidney. And then after the kidney, did that sort of journey continue? Or do you feel like maybe it started to wane back? I definitely, that, that what we were talking about right before of, uh, uh, thinking that our lives will go back to normal. I, I had started going back to who I was before the kidney stuff had started. I went back to the original Andrew of, oh, cool. This, I can plan out my life and I can set it accordingly and I can go Sunday to Sunday and I can still be okay. And kind of went back to that original setting of who I, how I acted, how I lived, all that kind of stuff. Um, the The change that was supposed to have happened over that first kidney stuff didn't really happen. And which is why it's not a big surprise to me that God was like, oh, you just want to go back to normal. Okay, well, let's let's reverse this and make this a little bit different this time. But in reality, I mean, I think 
you're, you're very much, I mean, this is very relatable to me and so many probably watching today is this sort of, and we'll get to this in a second and see what was the key, but we're talking about real, real life, real people, real God. So you were saying you started to make that connection there in that first eight months of getting God out of sort of this, this box, if you want to call it into your full life. But as soon as the trouble lifts, you kind of go right back in. Yep. So your kidney fails and now you're facing a, a, you already kind of know what you're about to get into, but now you know what you're getting to and you know the real reality of the end result. So now what, where, where are you at now? Are you shook? Are you frustrated? Are you in doubt? Are you in fear? Are you struggling with God? Where does that leave you in that moment? Um, all of the above. I mean, I, I struggle a lot. Um, I was very depressed. I was very angry. Um, very frustrated. I, I didn't understand it. <laughs> I didn't like it. And it was just all these things, all these emotions. I mean, I was just crushed over and over and over and over again, trying to understand what, what had just happened. I just, I just lost this quote unquote miracle that God had given me, um, of this, my mom being able to give me this kidney. And finally, once I took a step, it took me to take a step back and look at, well, what was I missing? And real, that realization kind of of, oh, I, I haven't been connecting to God as much, or I, I, I haven't been working on my relationship with him. I mean, and so, but that's the thing is, it took me three or four months after the kidney rejected to start getting back to that place. So it took, so the kidney rejected, and then it was three or four months of cleanup, essentially repair, trying to fix what I, what had been broken because I refused to let that actually change me the first time. And then I got, had to start from scratch all over again of, all right, let's try this again. Let's, let's try to rebuild this relationship with God. You said something here, and I want to get to that because you said, uh, allowing it to change me. Let me ask you this question before I ask you the second part of that question, and that is this. And, and if you don't, if you don't feel this way, please don't answer because I'm asking you this question here on, you know, Sunday morning. You have to give me the answer I want. <laughs> I really want a, a, a true answer. Up to 2014, you're 19 years old. You've grown up in church, lived a fairly normal life, lived a fairly decent life. You're a good kid. Never really did anything crazy or weren't. You know, your your life was sort of normal when it comes to sort of a religious church matrix. But could I, if I walked up to the 20, if I walked up to you in the beginning of April of 2014, and I could get you sort of in an honest moment, did you, could you really say you needed God at that point? Did you need God? Yeah, you needed him. You knew, you grown up, you heard, you know, if you, if you don't live right, do right, you're going to go to hell. So, ah, oh God, I don't want to do that. But let's be frank, in your normal day, did normal day, Monday through Saturday, did you really need God? No, because I was able to plan out most of my life. I was able to organize it. It was set a certain way. Um, the doors just kind of opened for me, or I had connections with people that, that took care of things. I didn't have to worry about a job because I had jobs that were kind of opened up or my career path. School was pretty simple. Like things weren't that difficult. And so because things weren't that difficult, I'm Andrew had it. I, I take care of things. I, I knew how to take care of my life and, and handle my life. 
But that's really what, what's, what I'm hearing. And I've heard you tell your story. You've obviously, you've been very open with your journey. You've, you've written some amazing blogs. You were posting blogs for a while detailing this journey and you had some really powerful insight. So I've, I've heard about this, but now listening to it again this morning and, and kind of hearing how you're saying it, really, to me, if I could summarize this in one way, it really, if I, if, and, and, and I may be completely simplifying something very complex here, but really this is a journey from 2014 to 2021. This really is a journey from not needing God to knowing that you need God every day, not just simply for health-wise, mm-hmm. but you need God to, is, is that a fair, if I if I put 2014, you know, the before picture and the after picture, if we can use that sort of modern day metaphor, if we looked at the before and after of Andrew and we had to say, what's the one single thing that's different now between then, what would you say that was? Would you say it, that guy didn't need God, this guy knows every day he needs God, or am I being a little too simplistic? No, I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's hundreds of layers to what I learned, yeah, right. what changed and all that kind of stuff. But that's definitely one of the most significant changes that happened to me. And it went from, I don't need a God at all to, all right, I need God to get me through my kidney stuff to, all right, dialysis is pretty tough. Let me, God, I need you to help me get through dialysis specifically. All right. Well, last week was pretty rough. God, I don't need your help getting me through this week. All right. Well, Every single day last week was pretty rough. All right, God, I need you to get me through tomorrow. All right, tomorrow's dialysis session is going to be really, really difficult. I need you to get me through. Well, it's going to be three hours, so I need you to get me through every single hour. Okay, they're going to put the needles in. That's going to be painful. That's going to be difficult. It went from this, I don't need God, to I need God every single second of every single minute, every single hour of every single day. And I knew immediately when I stopped relying on him. And I stepped out of that grace and stepped out of needing him and that acknowledgement of needing him because instantly I was plunged back into not having peace. I was angry. I was hurting. I was, you put in, fill in the blank. The second that I stepped out of that, whatever, whatever he wanted me to be in. I love that because I love how you describe sort of this journey of your degrees of need and how God sort of took you through this journey from sort of only needing God in the grand scheme of things of salvation to sort of this big, big to, 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 to now. I love that because it really describes how God operates. And I am sure that there were times, sort of like last week, Chrissy made a very good uh, analogy in her own life, how if she hadn't changed her perspective and God had changed her, she would look at what she went through as a punishment, not necessarily as this moment of growth and God at work, would you say that that there were moments where you worked through, through this idea that God's punishing you and then you evolved into something to understand, okay, it's not punishment, but there's something at work here. God's allow, he's not, God's not making your kidney fail. He's allowing it, but it's not to punish me. It's actually, and I hate to use this kind of pun, but not to punish me, but to promote me or to progress me. Is that a fair assessment? I mean, that was exactly where I was at whenever my kidney rejected. God, why did you take away this thing that you gave me? What did I do? I did something, right? I screwed this up. I messed this up. What did I do to, for you to, to rip this away from me? I'm sorry. Please help me. Please forgive me. I, I don't know what I did, but please take it back. And then that, and then sitting on that dialysis chair several times while, I mean, 
So the needles that they used for dialysis are, are similar like ballpoint pens. And so I had those going into my arm on a regular basis. Show people this and understand. Show them your, uh, your battle wounds here. So this is a- Yeah, it's a what, from how many, four years of dialysis. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They, they would put two needles in every three times a week. Yeah. And so it's pretty painful. Um, and I, there was several times sitting in that chair of, come on, there's gotta be something I, I'm missing. There's something I'm, I didn't do right. There's gotta be something that I, and eventually it was, I don't know what I did, but you know what, God, I trust you. It's going to be okay. So there was, there was, there was a kind of a transition period where I was still in the mindset that I had done something, but that God was going to carry me through it. And then finally, I fully transitioned to that mindset of, okay, I don't think I did anything necessarily. I don't think he's punishing me. And I fully trust that he's taking me through me through this and he's carrying me through this. But at the end, obviously, you know, I, I, I kind of said this last week and, I, and, and it's kind of hearing the same thing again here. It would have been awesome. In 2014, August, you pass out at the music park. You go to the hospital, man, Andrew, your kidneys. I don't know how you're still alive. You know, either someone shows up or you, or you just pray yourself in the name of Jesus. I speak to this kidney, be healthy. Voila. I mean, they're like, that would we, be awesome. can't we can't explain it. Your kidney's brand new. We don't know what we saw. And then here you go. And then, you know, September 2014, you're a, got a brand new kitty. You just continue your life. Let's just, we, it's impossible to know this, but let's just take that track there. Healing, and there goes Andrew, brand new kitty. You got this amazing story. You probably tell it for a couple of years how powerful this was. But now we're seven years later, and, and that's a memory versus this insane story. I mean, it's a, it's a tremendous, I mean, you're carrying the scars. You, people just saw the scars you carry so much and still to this day you still have to deal with that ongoing and more than likely if something doesn't change is in another what 20 years or so you're gonna have to deal this deal with this again yeah life of the kidney so let's take that let's take andrew healed by the miraculous and andrew the journey of seven years through all of this and the hours of the ballpoint pin and all the issues with the dialysis and let's put those seven years are they both ending up where you are today? No, definitely not. Definitely not. And I, what would be the, what would you think would be the difference? I mean, the, my relationship with God and, and who I am. I mean, there was a lot of strength, a lot of trust, a lot of, I mean, so um, I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but uh during the whole kidney stuff, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed to get for God to give me a word that he was going to heal me. Cause I wanted, I wanted a comfort, like for him to, I wanted something to believe on, you know, all right, he's going to, he told me he's going to heal me. He's going to heal me. I can make it through this. And the only thing he told me was that I wasn't going to die. That's all he gave me. The <laughs> death you would actually get. He just Exactly. No, like I literally, yeah, I got extremely close. I remember the one time at the hospital where they gave you too much fluid and almost killed you. And I remember passing you, you were coming out of the ER to some test and looking at you in the bed. And I was thinking, I don't know if this dude's going to make it out of here. Yeah. Uh, that was messed up. So yeah, you're not going to die, but I'm going <laughs> to take right to the cliff. And you're going to hang off, but we're going to pull you back, right? As close as humanly possible. And so 
uh, instead of having that promise that he was going to heal me, he just told me I wasn't going to die. And that's all I had kind of to hold on to. Um, and that was it. Like I, I, I got to take that one word and go forward and have to fully and completely trust on him. Whereas if Andrew had instantaneously, instantaneously gotten healed, I wouldn't have changed. I mean, what, what would have changed in me? Oh, I, I, I would have known that God's a healer. I know that now. And even more so because of what he did to heal me as um, emotionally, mentally, like beyond the physical stuff, the broken man that I was, I guess, teenager, uh, whenever my kidney rejected, that person that he brought back from the ashes is more speaks more to me of God being a healer than what he has done for me physically because I know how low I was at that point. And the fact that he was able to take me from there and bring me to where I am now, that's, that's shown me more than anything that he, that he can heal me, that he can carry me, that he can do anything for me. So the, the Andrew that would have been miraculously healed and the Andrew that went through the seven years, totally incomparable to who, who they would be. So two, two things here as we close, two sort of messages for someone watching today. And I think the first message you're saying is, can God heal instantly? Yes, but there's a greater benefit and purpose to the journey than necessarily the instantaneous. Because let's be honest, we all want to be healed and move on with life. But that other person today that is dealing with things, maybe it's not a kidney, maybe it's another difficulty in the situation in their life that they're having to work through or they're having to deal with, or it's something like you were dealing with in the standpoint of you don't really have an answer. If I know I need a new kidney, but I'm basically sitting around waiting for someone to die so I can get a new kidney, but I don't know if that's going to happen tomorrow in four years. So you have this unending cycle. Speak to that person today for a moment on sort of the idea of embracing the need for God, because whether or not he heals you or not, whether or not you get a new kidney, whether or not your situation changed or not, the bottom line to me, when I hear you talk, really, if you want to have a real, real person with a real life and a real God, the common thread to all that is there's got to be a need for him, not in the moment, not just in a, in the, in a, in an area of need, but it has to permeate through your life. Encourage somebody today how to get there. When I, so at the end of dialysis, I would be, I would literally feel, essentially feel like death. Um, I would be so weak, so just exhausted. I got up at 5 a.m. to get there. Like I was, I was not, I was just crushed. And about six months before um, the second transplant had happened, God kind of gave me a prayer to start praying. And so I would get in my car and I would pray this prayer. And essentially it was, God, if you heal me right now, or if I die in that dialysis chair on Wednesday, I still trust you and I'm still going to rely on you and I'm still going to believe in you and I'm still going to follow you. And that my condition does not determine what I believe and how I believe it and how much I trust you and how much I love you and how much I follow you essentially and i prayed that prayer uh pretty much almost each time after at the end of dialysis 
And I probably, probably took about two or three months till I actually even started believing a single word of that. Wow. So I prayed a prayer that I didn't believe. I didn't want to die in a dialysis chair. I had, oh, you were seeing people do that, right? ERs were ambulances. I got taken out on an ambulance several times. Like it was happening on a regular basis. So I would come in the next week and there would be somebody that's not there because they had passed away. Like it, it, it was very real, very, very real thing that could happen at any moment. And so the reality each time I prayed that prayer set in a little bit more and a little bit more, a little bit more until finally I was praying this prayer and I truly believe that if God didn't heal me, I would still be okay. That he's God, either whether I'm as sick as I could possibly be, or if I'm able to run up a mountain full speed, whatever level I'm at, he is still God. But I had to decide that for myself. He gave me this prayer to pray, but it wasn't until I actually believed it and I started living like I actually believed it that he changed me and healed me and brought about this massive miracle. That's awesome. So your condition, I, I, I'm, uh, my, the inner preacher comes out of me because I hear these little tweetable sound bites. Don't let your condition dictate your trust and faith. Nope. You've got to separate them. trust and faith from your current condition. Nope. And when you're able to separate those two things. That's when the need for God begins to permeate through your entire life. As long as your trust and faith is tied to your current circumstance or condition, you will only need God in the moment. But as Andrew progressed from 2014 to 21, 2021, the separation between circumstance and faith and trust began to happen. And because of that, now you know, I need God, whether or not I'm sitting in a dialysis chair or I'm sitting here as healthy as I can possibly be with a kidney transplant. The need for God is the same because the need for God is not dependent upon my circumstance, the need for God is dependent simply because I need him. Because I'm Andrew. That's great. Whether I'm Andrew, the kidney kid, or whether I'm Andrew, the business owner, or whether I'm Andrew, the web, the photographer, it doesn't matter what, which type of Andrew I am, I need God. That's awesome. At all times, whether I'm the best in that thing or I'm the worst in that thing, that realization, that disconnection from, doesn't matter what's happening because he's still God. And he still loves me in spite of that. Even if he's the one that's causing it, he still loves me, which many times has been that thing, that case of, of God's putting his finger in and stirring the pot a little bit. And I still have to choose to love him and trust him in spite of that. Awesome. Man, that's tremendous. Andrew, obviously, I know you've shared your story so many times. You've posted it, shared it with people individually. But thanks again for doing this today. For sharing it and the, the insight was just fantastic. I, I, I think if you're watching today and you're like, well, I don't have, I don't have a kidney issue. You've got something. It may not be a kidney, maybe something else, but all of us can relate to the things that Andrew was talking about today and that need to transition. And if you're struggling with things, maybe you're like Andrew 2014 and God's trying to get you like Andrew 2021. And what is the transition he's taking you on? And it's really coming back to that need for him. So Andrew, thank you for sharing that today. Man, there's so many times you were talking. I could feel God speaking uh, to me directly. And I know those that are watching today uh, are being challenged as well. And hopefully they take this and don't just leave. So well, it's Andrew's journey, but they can take it and they can find God in their own journey. So thanks again, man. I truly thank appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today here on our real series.
today. God bless. He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is Thank you, Andrew, so much for sharing that with us today. And I started off talking about the fact that do you really need God? And hopefully watching that, you kind of get the idea why that's the question we started with. Do you need him? And the answer most of us had in the beginning was, yeah, sure, I need him. But has it switched from needing him like you need a cell phone to needing him like you need air? And how do we do that? One of the reasons we do that is how we do that is God allows stuff in our life. It may not be a kidney issue, but it may be something else. It's something today in your life that is out of your control. There's something in your life today that you can't change on your own, whether it's a family situation, a personal situation, a financial situation, a work situation, whatever it is. Because you know, in order for me to get through this, this moment, this situation, I need God. And so you know what it's like to depend on God. The question is, when you lose, when those things are no longer there and everything is great, do you still feel the same need for him? And a lot of us don't. We, we need him in the moment, but when that moment's passed, we're okay. And truthfully, we need to get to the point where we need him just as much when everything is going great and as we do when things are in, in turmoil and in struggle. Because ultimately, we have to acknowledge we need him just to breathe. We need him for every breath. And so God is going to allow things in your life. You cannot avoid this. You cannot get out of this. Every human being is going to have something in their life they need God over. You might not turn to God with it, but he's going to allow something in your life because ultimately this has got to go back to the fact that we need him. So maybe today you're looking at some situations in your life and you're going, man, I wish God would fix this. I wish God would change it. But if he fixed it and changed it, would you need him anymore? Or is that the only thing right now that is in your life that keeps you going back to him and saying, God, I can't make it through today without you. I need you, God, because if I don't have you today, I'm not going to make it through the situation. Do I want to go through the situation? No, but if it keeps me going back to him, it's worth it. He snapped his fingers right now, took it all away, wouldn't change you. And ultimately, I want to change. And when you go through those situations, it comes to a point in time where you start to remove yourself from the need of the situation, just simply needing him. And you get this connection, this hunger, and you, you find God in a way that is just absolutely life-changing. Because you realize, when you get to the point where you realize, man, I need God just to breathe. It's not a, it's not a imprisoning, it's an, a liberation, it's a, it's a freedom. There's a hope you find when you go, God, I can't make it one moment without you. So whoever you are today, whether you've been walking with the Lord for many years or you're just beginning your journey with the Lord and you don't even know where to start, the start for all of us and the end for all of us is we started with God and we ended with God. We started with a need for God and we ended with a need for God. And that's where we have to live because we have to acknowledge that we need him. I need him. You need him. No matter if you have just started with God, or you've been walking with Jesus forever. It never gets to the point where you don't need him. In fact, I feel like now I need him more than ever. 
when you grow with God, you don't get to the point where you need him less. Actually, the more you grow with God, the more you realize, man, I need him more today than I did yesterday. I need him more today than I did last week. It doesn't get better. In fact, it gets better because it gets worse. It gets better because you realize more and more how flawed and broken you are as a human being. And if it wasn't for him, you would not be able to exist. You wouldn't be able to live. You wouldn't be able to function in reality. So again, do you need God? Do you need him? That's only a question you can ask and only a question, I mean, sorry, only a question you can answer. But I pray today that you have to face that question today one way or the other. Do you need Jesus today? Only you can answer it. But what is your answer? If I walked with you this week, starting now, would I see the need for God in your life? Or would God just be an accessory that you had that made your life better, but you really could live with or without it if you had to? Think about it. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. As always, I'll see you again next week. Another real, real life, real people, real God coming to you next week. And watch out on YouTube for another Seeing the Church Through God's Eyes. That's coming as well this week on YouTube. Some awesome stuff happening. But let's walk this thing out. Let's be disciples. Let's walk it out. Let's live every day to be more like Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us and see you again next time.